coming back. Uh, we're coming back now, as a matter of fact. Good morning. My name is Tony Visick. You're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition. Coming to you live from the ComedySchools.com studios at the second coolest corner in all of Scottsdale, Goldwater, and Cam- Camelback. The first, the coolest corner, is Scottsdale and Shea, which is where these two gentlemen who are now in studio with me will be performing tonight for two shows, Saturday two shows, a Sunday for two shows. They will be at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. We are speaking with Jackie Flynn and Rick Wright. Good morning, guys. Hello. Good morning. Yeah. Like, you know, here's the thing. We were we were just we were jawing away while the music was playing, and now everybody's like, "Hey, how's it going?" Yep. So uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 suddenly we're not at your energy level again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, we were we were talking uh, uh, because uh, we uh, uh, Rick and I crossed paths uh, in the uh, late '80s. There's a um, uh, a woman, a lady, a girl, a friend named Joan Fagan, who has a uh, touring uh, show called Three Blonde Moms. And I kind of started with her in stand-up in the uh, mid-80s. And uh, somewhere in the late 80s, she was booking a, um, uh, a lounge in a hotel in Orange County, one of those places where the people ordering the food, their dinner was worth three times what we were being paid. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we went down there, and it turned out it was Joan's parents that owned the hotel. Wow. And uh, yes, I remember her. Her it, dad was very wealthy. She was well. She was she was adopted, but yeah, uh, her, yeah. her adoptive father was. Uh, there's a lot of that that goes on in Los Angeles. A lot of like yeah. there's a lot of 18 year old women who suddenly become adopted by wealthy older men. Yeah, yeah. In Los <laughs> Angeles, uh, weird. But, yeah, but hey, <laughs> I'm on the show and I look up and I see you and I go, oh, that's the guy from uh, one of my favorite, uh, my all time favorite television specials ever was the Pee Wee Herman show. That, and that was a trip that was just after I'd moved to L.A. Yeah. Um, and um, it's part of the reason I moved to L.A. was that uh, Pee Wee, Paul Rubens, was a big fan of the act that I was in, which was a duo called Rick and Ruby. Yeah. And we were, you know, variety, cabaret kind of stuff. But uh, he said, well, I want you in this show. And so we had our, we did our Sly Stone medley. And Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, you know, Sly Stone came to one of the shows and just was barely aware oh that's me they're doing <laughs> it was such a trippy special i don't think a lot it, it, a lot of people understand that paul rubens Pee Wee herman had kind of created this character that was actually kind of a dark twisted parody of a kid's show yeah well initially the Pee Wee character was supposed to be a uh, a teenage nerd trying to be a comedian and, and the the thing he did that just cracked me up he he's standing out there in the same suit that he became famous wearing and he he's like doing that okay uh, I'm, I'm i'm gonna be showcasing at the comedy store really soon uh, or laugh factory what the hell uh and, and but it's good for comedians to tape their act so i'm gonna tape my act is that okay 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 and he, he presses but he only presses play and doesn't press record so he starts to do something and then his voice comes out on this tape just going I'm a soul man no 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 I'm a soul man and he just oh that was something I was working on earlier today it's <laughs> <laughs> just you know we, we would watch yeah. I'd watch that show I was living in Hollywood and, and uh, I went through kind of a, a lifestyle change in the mid 80s but prior to that lifestyle I would be like stoned like zonked on whatever was in town and uh, and and drunk, and we would watch that show and just crack up because we go, does anybody know what they're doing here, man? Because there were so many, you know, inferences and innuendos and references, and we'd watch it over and over. Uh, and the weird thing about that show and Pee Wee Herman, and I, I don't want to talk about Pee Wee a lot. I want to talk about you guys. Is that it started out as a parody of a kid's show 
where he was mm-hmm. playing kind of a twisted character <clears throat> yeah. on a twisted show. But then he became famous for that character, which they tried to turn into a wholesome character. Like a regular kid show. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and th- that really wasn't his thing. You know, what were we watching last night, Shirley, where we actually saw um, saw him uh, play in... Uh, oh, yeah, we, we were watching the uh, Reno 911 movie, and he plays um, Nick Swartzen's dad. Oh, okay. He gets off the plane. Nick Swartzen plays uh, a, uh, a male prostitute, a street prostitute, who's telling the cops that he's rich and that he has a plane. It turns out he doesn't have a plane, and his dad is Pee Wee Herman looking all Phil Spector-like. But speaking <laughs> of movies, <laughs> we can talk about that. So, Jackie, you have uh, been in some... Uh, major motion pictures and have some some uh, pretty uh, uh, talented and influential friends. Not that you're talented, but yeah. you have talented and influential yeah. friends sure. in the Farrelly Brothers. Yes. So oh. you've done several of their films. A bunch of them, yeah. Uh, thank thank God. Um, but yeah, they I, they I met them in, I think, 1995. I met Peter, uh, especially uh, Peter and Bobby, but Peter was, uh, I think I met first, and they were at a, Cam Neely is a Boston Bruin hockey player yeah. uh, of no, uh, note. And, uh, he has a celebrity golf tournament every year on Cape Cod. Back at, back and we want to thank you. And uh, Paul Hopp, the uh, manager and co-owner of uh, the Land Factory, said, I'll try to get Jackie to come in, but you're cutting right into his golf game. I said, uh, <laughs> I said tell him to play the back, play, play the back nine. Play yeah. the back nine. I, I don't. I got plenty of time. Okay. But um, so we were golfing in the celebrity tournament. I was performing at it. You know, these, we do, as a comedian, you know, we do a lot of the yeah. charity uh, golf tournaments and stuff. And uh, so the Farley Brothers happened to be uh, there. And they, it was just after uh, they did Dumb and Dumber. And uh, I wasn't really aware of them. I mean, I knew the movie a little bit, but I wasn't really. Yeah. And uh, Peter Farley came up there. We were talking and having a beer at the bar. He goes, oh, you're really funny, but I want you to do this movie. We're doing this thing called Kingpin. Uh, and uh, I got something in there, I think, for you. And, and, of course, I'm thinking, yeah, sure, you know, because you hear all these people. Yeah. You know. But they were really, you know, true to form. They were, they were really uh, kept their word, and he, he sent me the script and followed up. Next thing you know, we did the movie. And then I remember, I'll never forget, at the rap party, I remember thanking him, saying, you know, thanks for kind of validating my last seven, eight years of my life as a comedian, because obviously you want to be like a comedic actor or something, Absolutely. you know, go forward. And he said, no, no worries. He goes, we'll work a lot together. And I'm thinking, yeah, again, okay, sure. And sure enough, he put me in something about Mary, me, myself, and Irene, you know, stuck on you, you know, and all these uh, subsequent films. And I ended up doing some punch-up with them on it, and we became best friends. He was actually an usher in my wedding, so we're, we're, we're buddies. Ooh. So, so I, something about Mary, I, I often use as a um, uh, when I'm talking to uh, younger comics and stuff. That you know, one of the things that we do that stand-up comics do, uh, and I, I people ask me to go. I ask people sometimes. I go, why do you think people still go to stand-up comedy shows? Because it's the one place where you can. There's a reasonable expectation that n- from the moment you walk in and sit down to the end of the evening, you're going to laugh continuously. Yeah. You're going to laugh. You have, there's the possibility that you're going to laugh hard a lot. And something you never heard before, too, as a rule. You know? Absolutely. Sometimes stuff yeah. you've heard before. Yeah. But, well. <laughs> but uh, yes. uh, you, yeah. even in a great, I think something about Mary is one of the funniest films ever made. I'll agree. And it has, yeah. it has, it has several huge belly laughs. Yeah. But even in the funniest of movies on occasion, you're going to laugh seven, eight times. Mm-hmm. Where if you go to a live stand-up comedy show, there's a possibility. It's the only business in the world where you can make someone actually lose control of their bodily functions yeah. and they'll thank you. Yeah. Where people come up and go, yeah, you made me, I peed a yeah. little bit. It's also very cathartic. I mean, as a comedian, I'm sure you know this, story, you get a little jaded. And I don't, one of the occupational hazards is uh, 
I don't laugh as much as I used to. Yeah. You know, and because you see it coming down Broadway, as they say, whatever, you just kind of, oh, okay, yeah, I heard if it before. If you're watching comedy, you, just, you, you go, that's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and you, it's, it's still, you know, you're still enjoying it, but you're just not laughing. Every once in a while, you get to see somebody. I happen to see a friend of mine. Uh, I was in Atlanta working, and Dana Gould. I don't know if you know who Dana Gould is. We uh, were talking about him. Dana's one of the funniest. He's a on savant. I mean, Dana's week. one of the funniest guys, period. And, we were uh, talking about his bit of John Lennon. Wake up in the morning and uh, a giant cicada bug comes out of his bedroom. Yeah. And him having a conversation with the cicada bug. Going, hello, did we? Did you and I? And then he's acting out the bug. Yeah. He was talking about explaining to his wife why uh, John Lennon married Yoko Ono. He goes, by the time he met Yoko Ono, he'd fucked everything else on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. It was down to lobsters and Yoko Ono. (laughs) And then Paul went, oh, no, John, remember that fishing trip we went on and there was those lobsters that we pulled up out of the trap and one was kind of so John Lennon fucked everybody except yeah. even a giant cicada bug. Yeah. He's one of the funniest people. Oh, unbelievable! And, yeah. and again, that was the experience. I went over and saw him. Our shows were not lined up, so I get, got a chance to go over and see Dana, and hadn't seen him since our days in Boston. And I'm telling you, I laughed so hard, I had tears in my eyes, and it felt so good. I forgot how good it feels to laugh. Yeah, and the endorphins, whatever it is that you do get from laughing like that. And I'll tell you, it was it was so fun. You know, and that's what one thing I do miss about not, not you know not you know, being a comedian. And I'm uh, going back to a previous topic. <clears throat> The last time I laughed uncontrollably was that first time I saw Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where I actually had I had to stop laughing and catch yeah. my breath. You know, Inc- incredibly creative guy, incredibly creative show, uh, and uh, um, you know he had a good career. He did, um, you know, he, you know, a different time, a different place. He wouldn't have that problem because he'd be watching his porn at home. Well, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the thing that didn't get much publicity was all the charges were dropped. And he, yeah. he paid a fine of about $200. Well, here's the thing. I lived in Hollywood. I mean, who's the victim there? Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Hollywood <laughs> in the 70s, and the Pussycat Theater was there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it was there for. Yeah. That's what it was there yeah. for. If you went, you know, you came in, I think they rented raincoats. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can put this on. That's yeah. what you It's like the Jurassic Park ride at Universal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were supposed to do that yep. at a Pussycat Theater. You watch yeah. a porno, you yeah. whacked off, you went home. Not wrong with that. Good, clean fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you, 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 know, know, you took the right. kids to softball practice. Yeah. And, dropped uh, them off and then yeah. maybe went to a strip club. or Yeah, something, yeah. something like that. Perfectly uh, fine. So that was, uh, yeah, that was kind of a, a, every once in a while something weird happens in someone's career, though. And they just they can't really uh, they can't really shake it. No, you know, and you see that, and, and they're the same guy. You meet him on the street. You see him at the club. They're the same guy. Well, people love to find something and look down their nose. Ooh, you know, all, you know, they're so like you know quick to condemn someone. Well, you know? th- this, Not Rick, that I mean, you know, yeah. this Rick and Ruby act that I was in, we opened for Bill Cosby oh, uh, many years ago. Yeah, and just in hanging out with him between shows, I yeah. got I got an idea that. Okay, he's all this. I love my wife and my children, uh, and I think there's something else going on there because he kept talking about hanging out at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not going there to you know see if Lawrence yeah, Furlan yeah. gets play cards with you. So let me let me ask you guys this because so um, do you? Here's the question. Okay, it, it, it's kind of an odd question, and I, I get in trouble with it, but I don't really care. Do you think that Bill Cosby is actually a rapist, or was he a guy who was just? So sexually obsessed. And you know how some famous guys just think they should be able to sleep yeah. with anybody? Yeah. You know, you hear stories of Magic Johnson getting into an elevator and women running in there to have sex with him between the first and third floor. Yeah. That, you know, that it, it was that crazy for him sure. at that period in his life. He was such a superstar. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it's like guys who go to strip clubs every night then have a hard time relating to women yeah. at a normal level. Yeah. With it, it, Bill Cosby, was he just. Do you believe that he's a rapist, or do you believe no. that he was just... No, I think he was just uh, 
you know, ravenous, and, and, he, and he thought, well, I'm famous. Sex addict or I can, whatever. I can, I can get away it. with this. Yeah. Uh, it was also maybe he was just lazy. He didn't want to have to work as hard. Just, you know, was there's that, the yeah. Pills, you know? Yeah, here, here's the pills and the... You know, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing to watch someone whose whose career was um, um, yeah. what it was, and to see yeah. it uh, totally tumble. Is it? You know, yeah. it, I believe that uh, he did a lot of things that were improper and incorrect, and and if he did do anything that was illegal, that he should be uh, called up on the fullest extent of the law. But if you're uh, you remember in Los Angeles in the '80s, Rick, were you living in Los Angeles in the '80s? Oh yeah. And there was the uh, McMartin case. Yeah. The McMartin case was a preschool where all of a sudden you're a, you're a naked movie star yeah yeah where supposedly that the people that ran the preschool were running a giant child pornography ring and yeah. and the stories that came out made you sick to hear yeah. about them we all wanted to run down to the courthouse and lynch these people yeah. it turned out not a single story was true yeah, they yeah. Were, they were well that's the thing you know you can get in guilty. public opinion you know you get you got put to jail without even you know yeah and then how do you defend yourself i mean i I got to think with forty-four some odd people, whatever coming out now, maybe more uh, about Cosby. Yeah, I got to think there's something to it. You know what I mean? But yeah. you know, but I'm saying one. You know, we all been you know with women over your lifetime. One, one says, "Oh yeah, he raped me." How do you defend that? Now it's, it's patently wrong. But all yeah. of a sudden now you're you're on the defensive and you're 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 guilty in some people's eyes and you didn't do anything. It's yeah. just like, you know it's such a horrible thing that you're you're all of a sudden like yeah. now someone's claiming that. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the, the field has changed quite a bit. You read interviews with guys like Dustin Hoff and Robert Redford, and I, I read specific interviews with both of them uh, uh, where uh, people go, did you get in for the art? And Dustin Hoffman goes, no, I got in to meet girls. I wanted to meet a lot yeah, of girls, sure. and I'm five foot six and I have a giant nose. He goes, have you <laughs> see my wife? She's yeah. a ballerina. You think she's going to marry me if I'm not an actor? Yeah, yeah. Robert Redford took an acting class because there was a girl in it that he was hot for. Yeah. He was a painter. That's what he wanted to be. Yeah. So uh, uh, there was always, you know, that in show business, that if I'm in show business, I'm going to meet a lot of the opposite I always sex. thought I was going to meet a lot of girls. And then, you know, someone once told me the story about the difference between a rock and roll groupie and a comedy groupie. Yeah. You know, a rock and roll groupie comes up after the show. He's, oh, I love your music. I want to fuck your brains out. You know, comedy groupie walks up after the show. says, oh, you're so funny. And this is my husband, Bob. You know. <laughs> or, or you're so funny, I want to explore your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Well, I, I, I've had young comics ask me to go, will I meet a lot of girls in a row? I go, being a comic is like being the bass player in the opening band yeah <laughs> after, you, you, after yeah. everybody in, in the in, you, you in won't the, be a total virgin yeah everybody all the everybody in the headliner band gets laid yeah and everybody in the the band right before them and yeah. once the uh, the ushers and yeah. the box yeah. office yeah. guy yeah. and all them then maybe yeah maybe you might meet you someone. definitely step up to the plate more than the average dude but not what you think it would be yeah 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 i, I kept getting married that was my problem uh, how many times have you been married three three yeah been married and divorced three times. Yeah. Been widowed. I'm in a relationship now. Uh, but yeah, I keep going for relationships, and you know, because I, I I'm such a terrible liar, I couldn't possibly you know carry on on the road and stuff. You know? Yeah. So even my my girlfriend, I, I live in England. My girlfriend is in London. You know, based there. Is she here with you now? She is coming out next week. I'm doing the last. So you got a week to tear it up, right? Uh, that's that's <laughs> the logic. Yeah. <laughs> but but I know I'll just go back to the. Go back to the hotel, watch Sports Center, or you know, there's lots of baseball going on this weekend, so uh, that's probably how. I'll oh, they have a Pussycat Theater here too, in town. Oh, you could oh, okay. yeah, they got, oh, yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> Free raincoats. So, Rick, you started in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, uh, did you start? Was it 
You know, I was I was doing a road gig one time, once again, like many years ago, and I was co-headlining a creative entertainment gig, if you guys remember yeah. creative entertainment down south. It's now Heffron Entertainment. Yeah, that's I used to be the uh, Comedy Zones, too, I think. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. and, and uh, the guy I was headlining was a guy named Tony, and we both had a high, and I was Tony, and we yeah. both had a, a, a deep, 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 passionate love for high-speed Miss Pac-Man. And wherever, whatever gig we were working, we would go and find a place to do that. Yeah. And then uh, I said, so how long have you been a comic? And he goes, well, yeah. And he goes, well, and I said, what was your last name again? He goes, my name's Tony DePaul, and oh I own gosh. the Holy City Zoo. Oh, oh, wow. Which was like a legendary club in yeah, San Francisco, sure. was it not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was where that and Cobbs, so yeah. So many yeah. Of them, yeah, they got started at Holy City Zoo because it was, it was doing comedy in the early 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody else... You know, there was not such a thing as comedy rooms until no. the late 70s. You know, the Punchline in San Francisco opened in 78. Cobbs yeah. didn't open until yeah. the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's where, like, Robin was at Holy City and all that, too, right? Yeah. And, uh, Robin was yeah. a bartender at Holy City Zoo for wow. a while. Uh, there, there were some good people who came through there. Just like Dana Carvey came out of yeah, there. Just uh, like uh, Mark McCollum, who's not known anymore, was a very funny guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was... Uh, just like there was a lot of people at the, the L.A.'s comedy store that were doormen for, you know, Sam Kinison was a doorman for about three years. We were uh, talking about that yesterday, how he was arguing with uh, Mitzi one time about he wanted to carry a gun. And Mitzi told him he couldn't. He goes, those guys carry a gun. And Mitzi said, well, those guys are in the mafia. I can't tell them what to do. Yeah. You know? hmm. So you did you start at the Holy City Zoo? Yeah. or No, I, I was... Uh, this Rick and Ruby act, we worked cabarets. So we kind of... Condor room? Uh not not the condor room no yeah. uh, no there were just you know basically singles bars and we'd uh, do music and comedy for like you know 9:30 to 1:30 a couple nights a week uh, and then worked in Lake Tahoe for a long time and then once then we came back to San Francisco and said well we kind of like what we're doing now so we uh, we hooked up with a manager who got us opening act spots for just all these uh, you know Interesting. In, in the same week, we opened for Iggy Pop and Tony Orlando. Wow. So, did uh, you end up getting different? How did you end up uh, on Walking Mindy through seeing Robin seeing you up yeah. there in those days, or well, was it? In, in, yeah, Robin was a fan, and then in 1979, he, after the first season of Mork and Mindy wrapped, he he was doing a national tour. He took us on as his opening act. Oh, okay. So, so we got lots of exposures. That's how we got Mork and Mindy. Was that the producer saw us? Oh, okay. Uh, at Universal Amphitheater, you know, okay. in front of six thousand people. So, um, so yeah, we, we did some great stuff, and we stayed together until the mid '80s, and then I started solo in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, uh, actually, my first first day, first real date was November eighth of eighty five at the Comedy Store. Wow! Um, and so, yeah, my thirtieth anniversary is coming up. But, Holy uh, but Rick and Ruby started in seventy one. So yeah, we've got. Uh, You've been at it for a while. I've been at it for a while, yeah. and I should have a lot more to. Did you <laughs> to work the? Uh, did you work the Purple Onion when that was? Um not, not in the seventies. No, I, I, I didn't work the Purple Onion until about two thousand two or so. Shirley and I were just in San Francisco. We went to see a, um, a little uh, pop group called the uh, the Dead in Santa Clara, and um, and we have friend. We were hanging out in North Beach, and a, a friend not, of ours. Not just the took, not the Dead, right? Yeah, uh, you know the, the Dead. Yeah, the oh, without Jerry. <laughs> without Jerry, yeah. I, I saw I saw more. I, right now, I've seen him so many times since he since he passed on because it's so long ago. Mm-hmm. I tell my wife, I go, I might be equaling out the number of times I've seen some uh, a permutation of the Grateful Dead without Jerry. Uh, I opened for Jerry. That's one of my early uh, early solo comedy ventures. But they they I don't know why they they had me opening for Jerry Garcia band at uh, Caesar's Tahoe. And, wow. And 
for a while I had the, my my then wife videoed it. Uh, uh, There's one performance where it's like, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fabulous Caesars Tahoe in beautiful Lake Tahoe, Nevada. The featured act tonight is the Jerry Garcia Band with special guest Rick Wright. Now, please welcome Rick Wright. Boo! <laughs> uh, yeah. Did they think you were the guy maybe from, you know, like uh, Pink Floyd or, you know, people get yeah. that confused sometimes? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I spell it without the W. So, yeah, I know. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Jackie, you started in Boston. Yes. Okay. A lot of great comics out of Boston. Uh, I used to work uh, in Vegas all the time, and I got to meet so many great comics. All over. And you get to know them because you work seven nights a week. Sure. And uh, I used to work the old uh, uh, Riviera Comedy Club with yeah. Steve Sharippa. Sure. And one mm. week I always remember because the guy was so damn funny was a guy named Steve Sweeney. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. did you start out with that bunch? Yeah. It's, they were a little ahead of me. Uh, Sweeney and Lenny Clark, Don Gavin, and yeah. uh, Kenny Rogerson, one of the greatest yeah. comics of all time probably. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, uh, they were like headlining when I was starting out. And so they were probably uh, – maybe six, seven years ahead of me as far as, you know, uh, stand-up goes. But uh, they were all my buddies. They became, like, mentors of mine and whatnot. So there was, I mean, there, there was, uh, Boston was, uh, uh, when I started out, uh, you, you already heard about towns yeah. that had great comedy scenes. Yeah. And Boston was always mentioned because all these great comics came out. And also that the scene was exciting and vibrant. Was it like that when you started? Yeah, it was great. I, I caught the tail end of it. 80, I started in 87. Uh, and it was, okay. just, it was just the very end of, uh, you know, when it was the real boom, I'd say, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but it was uh, there was like, so many good guys. I mean, to learn from. And I feel bad for kids today now because I was had the luxury of a having all those guys kind of monitoring you. You know, they wouldn't let you do anything schlocky. I mean, if yeah. you got to do anything, they would literally just be you know lambaste you. And uh, so it kept you from becoming real hacky. You know, I think. Yeah. And then there was also so much stage time afforded to me. I yeah. Mean, I would literally there was a, at one point there were like there might have been like seven comedy clubs within like a, maybe a, a fifteen minute ride of each other. I mean, crazy. I mean, there was Sam's Comedy Club and across the street from that was Stitches. And then down in the theater district there was Nick's and the Comedy Connection. Yeah. And it was Catch a Rising Star in Harvard Square. That was it Nick's? Was that owned, was that owned by Lenny Clark's brother? Which uh, one? No, Giggles. Michael. Is, is, is Michael. Giggle, yeah. Mike Clark has Giggles yeah. uh, up in Saugus, Mass. And uh, matter of fact, I was just there just a couple weeks ago. But. Uh, but I'd go on a stage on a Tuesday night, uh, you know, I'd have a paid gig, and then I'd do like four or five guest spots, you know, yeah. I mean, to the point where I, in my formative years, I was so lucky because I got to have so much stage time, and that's the difference, you know, obviously getting on stage as much as you can. Yes. And I would literally uh, almost like kind of not bomb on purpose, but kind of dig myself a little hole just to make myself like better, like, and try and work my way out of it, you know what I mean? Do some new I stuff. I say that a lot. I, go, I did that on purpose. Well, no, but I mean, I really <laughs> did, like, you know, because you're, you're doing 10 minutes, Tony, so yeah. it's like, uh, what, what am I going to learn from just killing it for 10 minutes doing the same old stuff where I could like kind of branch out so I would literally try and like do you know new stuff and just not really care because I you know I knew I'd go on stage two minutes from there I'll be on another comedy club doing doing it again trying you know so you can do your greatest hits anytime yeah I mean what am I doing that's like there's no satisfaction in that you know but uh Teddy Bergeron was another guy I don't know if you remember Teddy Bergeron yeah Teddy was did you know Joe Gennetti Joe's a buddy of mine Joe's a great guy Joey just uh just got cured knock on wood from uh he had throat cancer yeah I followed that kind of uh that on Facebook. And yes. uh, Jim Laletta is another guy out Jim, of Boston. Yeah, yep. very funny guy. Yep. Jim, yeah, Jim. Uh, I, I started my class that I started with was me, Nick DiPaolo, Mark Marin, uh, David Cross, Louis C.K., and uh, 
Janine Garofalo. Yes, Mark Maron was a, a doorman at the comedy store for a yeah. while, too. Yeah. I mean, all these guys were my, you know, that's what, like my contemporaries. When we started all, we all do these like little shitty gigs around Boston. And it's, it's funny how you watch it now. It's like, wow. So here's a question. Here's a, kind of an inside baseball question that I, I, uh, I ponder on occasion. Because I, I produce shows here in town. I've done, sure. I do workshops here in town. I yeah. mean, I toured for a long time. I owned a club. I owned Jokers in Oklahoma City in the 90s. Okay. Uh, which, uh, you know. And Kenny Rogers used to work out there, I think. I think Kenny did work yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of great guys came out there. It, it really did turn more into a Southern Midwestern club uh, right before I bought it, where that okay. was you know they were booking primarily those acts. Um, so you got comedy scenes like Boston had a great comedy scene, yeah. San Francisco had a great comedy yeah, scene, and as far as developing, here's my question. Okay, so you've got Los Angeles and New York, of course, and it's yeah. like they used to say if you don't make cars, go to Detroit. Yeah, that if you want to be in the entertainment business, you're going to go to New York, New York or Los LA. Angeles. Yeah. It, you know. But while you're developing in New York or Los Angeles, oftentimes I think too early you're auditioning. Yes. You know, and so the commerce mixes with the art a little too early. It's like someone in their first year Great of law point. school yeah. then arguing a case uh, well, in front of the night. You don't have enough, ch- enough chops yet, and, and you're put in a bad situation where you can't really grow. And then you're forced to become maybe doing something a little hacky because you're just you're dying to just do good. You know? yeah. The thing that uh, unnerved me in L.A. was that because of the success of Seinfeld and Roseanne, yeah. there were all these actors that couldn't get work, so they'd take up stand-up. So oh, they God. everybody was a comedian, up. yeah. Sure. And, and we used to call them posers. Yeah, the, those, yeah. those guys annoyed the hell out yeah. of Yeah, everybody was doing that. And and the thing is, is that, like, to your point, Tony, because they had so much stage time afforded in Boston, I always felt bad for guys that started in, like, places like L.A. or something where they, they, they didn't have as much. Every time they had to go up, it had to be do or die. Like, oh, my gosh, I better do everything perfect because then how do you grow? Because you're just always doing what you know works, like, yeah. without ever t- yeah, testing I, yourself. I didn't give a shit about that. You know, cause yeah. by the time I moved to L.A., I was already, uh, the Rick and Ruby thing was That's already what I mean. established. Yeah. And we had work. So by, by the time I got hired as a solo, I just thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to accept anything other than but I've already immediate, yeah, yeah. immediately getting hired because, yeah, uh, yeah I just thought, I, I'm not going to get caught up in this LA thing. Oh, everything's going to be my next break. Yeah. In fact, at about two months after I started at the comedy store, Lauren Michaels was in the audience and really liked it and flew, flew me to New York under the pretense of I might get to Saturday Night Live. And I said, well, this is pretty good. After two months, I'm, yeah. uh, I've got this. That never happened again. Yeah, anything yeah, even yeah. close to that. Yeah, yeah. you see that but weird I, thing. I stayed on the road though. Yeah, yeah. You, see, you know, you see those guys in, and uh, in, in, I lived in Los Angeles for thirty years, and uh, you see those guys who get one thing one time, yeah. and never get anything again, and then some guys who just kind of work steadily along, you know, and. Uh, um, uh, do you have any thoughts? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody who gets one thing one time, yeah. and then that's it. They never get anything else again. Well, yeah, I mean, I think some guys, A, you, you got to get lucky. You know what I mean? I mean, there's yeah. something but a luck involved. And then some guys maybe get something, they're not really really ready for it, so they don't really truly have the goods maybe. You know what I mean? And then they kind of just, yeah. they had their one shot, when, and they didn't. When, when they were purging the, the sit, stand-up scene for sitcoms, and they build a sitcom around a guy who clearly wasn't ready. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's. Uh, but I also think it's also interesting how they always like the knock on comics for years. Well, yeah, they're not good. And meanwhile, year after year, Seinfeld, Roseanne, Ray Romano, Kevin J. just kept proving that theory wrong. Tim Allen. I mean, just how many have to have sitcoms successful for them to finally give us our due? Where like, yeah, maybe these guys can carry a show and, and do a, a good job. Well, you know, I think sta- maybe they can act. Yeah, stand up yeah, exactly. is, is a great uh, is a great uh, uh, proving ground yeah. for. You know, how many, Michael Keaton started out as a stand-up exactly. comic, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, 
Craig, I have a buddy Craig of mine who at one time yeah. was the uh, head of development for NBC. Yeah. He was not my buddy during that time. It was yeah. quite after that. Yeah. But who still talks about the year that he was a stand-up comic. Sure. Because I was a stand-up comic for a year. Yeah. I think it's a great training. Uh, you know, I mean, I think if you can do comedy, you can do... I mean, I think, I don't know, I guess I'm partial because I'm a comic first and an actor second, but... Some can and some can't. So, yeah. let, so you look at the difference between, say, Richard Pryor yeah. and George Carlin. Yeah. Richard Pryor went on to be able to do... Yeah, uh, George, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Could, n but, never was able to break through a major but, motion but, pictures. Yeah. He, he did act quite a bit. He yeah. did show he up did. in... He did. You know, yeah. But, but yeah, he never carried a motion picture as the star of it. He, yeah. he was usually supporting... Was he like the Jack Carson of our time? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Jack Carson was a very funny comic who yeah. worked as a character actor for uh, many years in in a lot of uh, big films. And Carlin never was able to like carry a movie no. on his own. Whereas someone like Robin Williams, obviously Billy Crystal, you know all these guys. No, and you know. Pryor could never really do television. Um, uh, Argus Hamilton's a friend of mine who was on that one show where they tried to do a variety show with Richard Pryor, uh -huh. and it just I think it ran one night, you know, well, and and that was it. Uh, yeah, no, there was. Yeah, we were talking about in the seventies. Right? Yeah, yeah, I remember when that that was on, and it was. Uh, uh, for some reason, the funny, the one bit I remember from that is he had uh, among his guests, he had the Pips, but not Gladys Knight. Yeah, and so they mimed, they did their backup harmony for Midnight Train to Georgia, and that was it. You know, there was no lead vocal, and, but yeah. they did all the choreography, the dance moves, and, and that was very funny. You know, because. Uh, they did it as though Gladys Knight was in the building. Yeah, so Pryor could never quite pull off. T I mean, he certainly as a guest, he was he was huge as a guest. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something interesting. I saw recently on television. I don't know if you guys saw it, a documentary. Uh, we all know uh, Richard Pryor's uh, um, uh, seminal were live on the Sunset Strip, the Red Suit Show. Yeah. Okay, which is one of the greatest uh, uh, recordings of a stand-up performance I think in history. Yeah. There's a recording of the night before. And really? the night before, he bombed and walked off. That was really that. that it was for a largely gay organization uh, that I think, and I remember that. He, you know, I heard a tape of it. And he, and yeah. He, and he he made some remarks that uh, weren't that bad, but uh, they and he, construed he, it wrong. Or something, he yeah. he, yeah. They, he thought that they were booing him, and and so he he just says. Uh, you know, while we was burning down Watts, you guys could still do your thing on Sunset Boulevard. So why don't you just kiss my happy, rich black ass? And he walks <laughs> off. And then Bet Bette Midler sees the moment she comes out. First thing she says, "Who wants to kiss this happy, rich white ass?" Um. Yeah. So, uh, but, but you know, it really was just the the organizer that got on on the microphone. Well, we, I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We will never have Richard Pryor at any of our events again. And, and, yeah. But people were like, "No, we want him back." But he, he yeah. was, you know, he was going with what he thought. <clears throat> yeah. Have you guys ran into any of that? Um, it, it seems like more and more now. Um, I, I don't like the term politically correct because now I think it's used uh, incorrectly. You yeah. know, people now use it. Uh, politicians use it as a way to be able to say horrible things and go, yeah. well, "I'm not politically correct." No, you just said something horrible. Yeah. No matter what it is. But uh, uh, we seem to almost see a little bit of the the thought police were always in entertainment. Yeah, but it was also exactly. But it's a little bit. It's become a, sometimes it's too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just gets to the point where uh, you can't say anything and you, everything's put into, under a microscope and it, it stifles the, the the art process. I think we're still not to play. Uh, Jack Parr, who was one of the uh, original hosts yeah. of the Tonight Show, was fired because he used the term water, water closet. closet. He was fired from that, yep. and that was in the late '50s. So yeah. we're not there, but there now seems to be certain topics. They become taboo. What advice would you give to a young, 
And then I see a lot of young comics who go, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to tell rape jokes. And I go, yeah. I go, well, they're not funny. What you're exactly. saying. It's yeah. just gratuitously, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, offensive. Yeah. So it doesn't if have anything just, to do with it. Yeah. If you're just trying to shock, you and probably yeah. will. Yeah. But you won't get laughed. But you're not even yeah. shocking anymore. No. It's not even, you know, someone tried to shock me once ago. I, I lived in Hollywood for yeah. 30 years. It's very difficult to shock me. Yeah. And I also think that's not as long lasting. I mean, the shock thing, I mean, even like somebody like, I mean, I guess Dice Clay got away with it for, uh, to an extent more than you would ever even dream. Anyone could get away with that material meaning it, it usually won't have that kind of lasting ability which even for him it wasn't that long you know what i mean after a while like between a difference between him and like say a george carlin where yeah you know you can listen to george over and over again but once you hear the dice clay ones you're kind of like okay i yeah, get it's it like, it's like you know it's okay, just yeah, how can yeah just a lot that? it's just a shock like there's no real material there you know what i yeah. mean and i think that's the difference you know so i don't know fortunate for dice he got that the gig in blue jasmine because yeah. you know uh, he was good. Yeah, <laughs> but he could act. He, I mean, you know, except, I mean, he you was, know, he was yeah. playing. He was playing dice. You know, yeah. uh, without <laughs> yeah. without quite as much profanity and. But there's also guys up there that have no jokes. Like there's just there's just uh, there's they're well, selling the sizzle. Nowadays, I, I go on a rant all the time in my act even about these. Uh, I, when I started, I'm sure when you started, the worst comics had the best press kits. Yes, you know they had the three color fold out brochure. Look at these pictures and glossy and but you know yeah. couldn't tell a joke to save the fucking life. Anyway, but you got a Polaroid of yourself. You yeah, whatever. Your yeah, go, yeah, yeah, that's me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I always thought you know, and I feel like they've changed the game in the middle of the the, the rules in the middle of the game. Where you know, I always thought that if I was original, funny, you know, worked hard and was a good guy, you know, I mean, I would get for you know ahead, but. Now that same ilk of comic that the press kit comic back in the day is a guy who's got a two-minute YouTube video and face fucks everybody. You know, hey, let's you yeah. know, check my thing. They're not even they're not even headliners. I call them bringers. They're like this, like you know, is he funny? No, but he'll pack the room with people that think he's funny. Yeah, you know, and they used to go to a comedy club and see, oh, let's go there. They have good comedians, you know. But yeah. now yep. the, the business model has changed, and I can't blame the comedy yeah. club owner because well, that's that's how Dane Cook got going. There you go. <clears throat> but but yeah. I'm saying. <clears throat> Comics hate him, but yeah. He, well, he, he, he figured something. Well, hey, I give him yeah. credit because uh, it's funny because he's from the same town as me, and I, I was the only guy in town in Boston. I was from Arlington, Mass, and then Bankham. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, nobody knows who the hell I am anymore. But uh, you know, it, it's it's funny because you know uh, he's learned how to. I wish I had some of that skill because I am woefully uh, negligible and negligent in that in that part of the business where like promoting and and doing the Facebook thing. I'm trying to uh, get with it or be left behind, kind of. You know what I mean? But I hate every minute of it because. I don't think I should have to do that, but that's yeah. what it's about. And now they, they have these club owners. They don't care. I can see the business plan. They bring in a guy, and he's got you know 2,000 people that he's bullshitted into thinking he's good, and he brings them in. They buy drinks and tickets, and then the next guy comes through. So it doesn't really matter to the club owner. You know? I'll tell you what, what my philosophy was when I owned a club, because I owned a club <coughs> in the Midwest, yeah. and, and there were people I wanted to bring in. And uh, you know, I started out doing, like I said, I lived in L.A. I was on the sure. road. You know, I spent a lot of time in New York, and I had friends of mine who go, why are you booking that guy? Yeah. You know, and I, I don't really want to get, you know, I, I like I like comics. I like funny people. And sure. One of the good things about being on the other side of the room. You see both ways of it. I yeah. can see both ways, and I can enjoy comedy more than when I was, like, feeling. Because I went through this thing. I was so competitive with everyone. Yeah. I couldn't enjoy anybody. Yeah. If they were funny to me, i go, he must die. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I tell him, I say, if I bring this guy in, then I can afford to bring you in. Yes. So sometimes that's the uh, philosophy of some of the business owners I know. They yeah. go, they go, yeah, I would not book this in particular. Usually. This is not my it's cup a, of tea. It's a money thing at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's not know? my cup of tea, but the audience, there's an audience for yeah. him. And I can make some money. And right? I can make some money and we can keep the lights on. So it, yeah. it's always, it's always it's a, a, it's balancing. a It's a balancing idea. Yes, I, I totally get that. But I'm just saying in general, it's like I can't get guys sometimes on the phone that it would beg me to work their rooms, Tony. Yeah. Now, I got, oh, I got this guy coming in. Who is that guy? You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, and I think they should have comedy clubs and then you should have clubs 
clubs that are people that know people and will come to see the guy clubs, you know, like or, or, or you know Facebook clubs, because you know, they're not, you know, it's it's amazing to me. You mentioned the Dane Cook thing. I, I'm good friends with Rich Scheidner, who yeah. still bemoans the fact that he's from the Bruce Willis is from the same area he's from. Yeah, yeah. Why, why Bruce Willis? You know, I was the biggest guy from Pennsville. <laughs> Bruce Willis, you know, I got Bruce who, yeah. uh, you know, the Dane Cook. I mean, yeah. when you really get into this stuff. He's gotten better. I mean, you know, at first he was, you know, uh, he was finding his way, and he, he kind of got bigger than his material. But, you know, he couldn't kind of, he didn't have the, you know, he was bigger than what his act was. But now I think he's, you know, trying to work on being, uh, you know, a little I'll bit. I'll tell you, I wanted to hate him. Uh, cause yeah, he's first, a nice guy. first time I saw him was at the Laugh Factory about 1995 or 96. And I come in the middle of his act, and I just yeah. said, who is this shuck and jive asshole and He's going to be really famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tell you, I yeah. was. Um, he's very charismatic. Yeah. I mean, he's a good. Like I said, I've known him for since he was, you know, started. I mean, he was like he was an open mic guy when I was up in Boston. It's always a weird thing, isn't it? Plus, isn't it a weird thing when there's someone who, who's they're an open mic guy? Yeah. Oh, he and, was. He used to, you know. And then all of a sudden, you look up one time, and I I used to book Ralphie May. For, oh, Ralphie. Yeah. He was yeah. a feature act for yeah. four hundred bucks, yeah, and yeah. we were on a family vacation a few years. And I, I used to book him in Oklahoma City for four hundred yeah, bucks. Sure. We were driving through Oklahoma on our way to uh, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and there was a giant billboard going Ralphie May at the Oklahoma Coliseum, and I I'm know. going. That's yeah. just kind of a. Yeah. But if you talk to Ralphie, he's the same guy. Yeah. He is the same yeah. guy. So maybe he was getting four hundred for that Oklahoma. Yeah, he was getting four hundred bucks. Yeah. He had five thousand people, four hundred bucks. Yeah. You know. Uh, hey, you know, it's again. You just who the hell knows? You know, there's no rhyme or reason to the business. When yeah. Dane had, was kind of at his zenith, uh, my daughter was maybe fourteen, and uh, and you've you've gone through this because uh, you know where you got to go to every event with yeah. your, for your sure, daughter. Sure. And um, uh, anyway, she was on a soccer team. We told him if they won, we take him to breakfast. We took all these little girls uh, to yeah. breakfast, and one of them mentioned Dane Cook. They're yeah. all like 12 to 14-year-old girls, yeah. and they all knew every word of his act. Yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, that's who he's for. Yeah. There was one little girl sitting there going, I don't think he's funny. Yeah, yeah. And they happened to be my daughter. Yeah. She's going, I don't, I, you know, he's got I don't no, get it, yeah. She's going, he has no punchlines. Well, I remember one time my daughter called me up, and uh, my oldest daughter, and uh, she's, uh, at the time, she was like, uh, I think, 19. And she said, Dad, do you know any Dan Cook? I go, yeah, I know Dan. She goes, can you call me? Can you get me tickets to a show? And I was like, oh. all right. So I had to call Dan. If I go, Dan, do me a favor. You get my daughter. He was nice enough to you know, oblige, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing that frustrated me was I wanted to hate him. And then he was. Yeah. Nah, he was a good guy. Was like I said, on, I don't have any problem. He, he was going on at the Laugh Factory, and, and I was going to be following him. And, and he, he just says, and it was late. You know, so I was, I was closing the show at like 1 o'clock or so. And, and Dane just says, you know, I realize it's late, people, but you really should stick around and see the last guy. And yeah. I, I just thought, oh, shit, now I can't hate him. I don't think you I mean, realize when he was using my, my space was the social media of the time. Yeah. And when he accessed it, I don't, I don't, a lot of those guys, I don't think Dice realized how big that character was going to get that yeah. fast. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, uh, and they're both kind of in the same category is that they had this persona that blew up so quick, so yeah. fast. That you were, they were gonna the stumbles that you might make at the beginning of a career, yeah. you know, where you really screw up at a club in yeah. Savannah, Happen Georgia. Happen under a bigger. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it happens under a bigger thing, and then they, and then they have to uh, they have to recover from that. Yes, it's funny yeah. you mentioned Dice. I opened for Dice in this particular city in 1990 at the Celebrity Theater. I think it was. Yes. Uh, and then six months later. I opened for Barbara Mandrell in the same venue, and I just thought oh, same. This, they're the same act, the, exact same act. Oh, same yeah, thing. yeah, when yeah. It, I, I remember. Yeah, the first thing Mandrell said was, "So I'm fucking this chick all <laughs> deep." You know, and, and, and you know, her audience was a little taken aback by that. <laughs> but, uh, no, 
that I actually what I did was uh, because I did the dice thing first. Then when I opened for Mandrell, I was doing a week at Finney Bones, and they they needed sure a, Michael Finney's. Yeah, they needed he's a, a pal of mine. They yeah, needed, I know Mike. They, yeah. hi, they said they called Paul Hop, who was running Finney Bones, said. Uh, is your, does your headliner work clean? And at the time, I did. And they said, well, we, we need an emergency opener for Mandrell. Uh, actually, uh, I had the announcer when he was bringing me out say, well, this, this gentleman was here at this same venue about six months ago opening for Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> uh, and, and there was a little bit of, I, I figured there'd be no crossover. I just remembered, too, that I was talking about a lot of, uh, on stage, about a lot of 70s acts that were having comebacks. And I, I go, Donny Osmond's back on the charts, and, and uh, I got that much out, and the audience applauded. So I said, "Okay, I guess I better save my cheap shot punchline for some something yeah, else." Yeah, yeah. Move on. The thing is, too, there's, the there's room for everybody. That's the thing. There you know what I mean? It really is. Yeah. I mean, you got once you realize that, you know. Let Listen, let gonna, we got to take a little break, uh, uh, and then we'll come back and, and tell people where they can uh, see you this uh, this weekend. Uh, you are uh, you're listening to uh, the very funny uh, Jackie Flynn and Rick Wright on this American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes. Chuck Berry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, St. Louis. He will be native. A, he'll be 89 later this month. You know, Dick Van Dyke's 89. He's wow. 90. I, I saw him on. Uh, I saw him on uh, um, MSNBC last night. Right. He's going to be 90 pretty soon. Yeah. Before the year's out, I think he's born in December. Yeah. But, uh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another amazing. Who's still around? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and it, 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 it you go one way or another in this business. Either you go quick, yeah. or you're around forever. You know. Yeah. And uh, Chuck Berry, Dick Van Dyke. Well, Jerry Lee Lewis made it to 80. Jerry Lee uh, Lewis made it early, yeah. Little, well, Ri- Little Richard's 83, Fats Domino's 87, I believe. Well, Jerry Lee Lewis, if he was threatened, he would kill you. So yeah. that was it. He would just, so that's how he <laughs> stayed alive. He just murdered a lot. Or marry you when you were 13. Yeah? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he, he'd probably be a lot richer, except he... You know what's uh, weird about that, about Jerry Lee Lewis and the whole thing? So just let me say this. So uh, I'm 60. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm a lot older than both of you. Uh, no, uh Got you there. I know you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents were, um, they were 17 and 15 when they got married. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, it was in 1954. And the deal was, my mom was a good Catholic girl, but yeah. she was very much in love with my father. And she goes, I won't go any further than where we've gone unless you marry me. So he whisked her across the, uh, the Mississippi River to Illinois where he didn't need parental consent yeah. and married her. You know, mm-hmm. and so... What Jerry Lee Lewis was in certain parts of the country or in certain socioeconomic yeah. groups, we were lower middle, we were like poor sure. working class people. That was kind of common, and sometimes the parents were happy because they knew something was going to happen eventually anyway. You might as well get get it with somebody good. Yeah. If, they, yeah. Yeah, if they were married, even if it wasn't any good, even the guy was a bum. Yeah. You're married now, you bum. Yeah, That's yeah. what they mm-hmm. told my father when he got married. A priest told him, "When your fun's over, you can't be a bum anymore." Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, yeah. that, that kind of infected our sure. our family where. Every time he looked at me, he went, um, the fun's over. So uh, <laughs> that made a weird relationship. Mm. All right, so uh, we're talking with uh, we're talking with uh, Jackie Flynn and Rick Wright, not with the W. I'm not like, uh, who is the guy from Spooky Tooth? That was, um, that was Gary Wright. Gary Wright. But, Gary Wright. But no, um, how I became Rick Wright, because my real name's Brian Seth. I know why, but, but you go ahead. But the, well, the story was, you know, I was starting working solo, and I got booked at the comedy store, and they said, uh, well, you know, we can't just put Rick of Rick and Ruby. Do you uh, 
but you want to go as Rick, right? I said, yeah, Rick Wright sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know. That's a good story. Now, Jackie Flynn, what's your real name? Uh, it's uh, my real name is John, but I've never been called John. I mean, I've, yeah. you know, Jackson nickname for John, so yeah. I just always been John. I mean, maybe in second grade, the teacher said John Flynn, and I looked around like, who the hell's John? Flynn? So you know, Jackie Flynn, you're Jewish. It's Jack Flynn. Yeah, I'm Irish and Italian. You're Irish and Italian. Yeah. Catholic. Catholic. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I met a guy, and it was a guy, um, uh, guy named Randy Roca, who was actually um, uh, an Italian guy who was a Protestant from Boston. Wow, that's he interesting. Was, I, I, I used to get high. I don't think him. I've ever met an Italian Protestant. I would just stare at him. And go, dude. What is it? Like what's a, wrong with some you? Some kind of a, an oddity. <laughs> yeah, an Italian Protestant. Yeah, yeah. So he was. So yeah, you raised Catholic in Boston. I was, yeah. and uh, yeah, the Boston. It was either it was all Irish or Italian in Boston when yeah. I was, you know, mm -hmm. growing up. And uh, so, uh, matter of fact, I was just talking to my buddy about it. I, I love this Pope. Speaking of Catholic, I mean, yeah. this guy is just. Uh, mm. uh, he's great. I think he's just really he's got so much uh, he's compassion he's and scaring the know. shit out of the Republicans because yeah. You know, he, he, he was okay with gay marriage, and they're yeah. like, huh? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, he's he, the, the thing is. So he met with uh, Kim Davis, and yeah, the, 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 yeah. the the rumor, the word, it can't really be confirmed. Is he didn't really understand that he was meeting this person who was now an icon yeah, yeah. of the right wing. Exactly. That it was one of his underlings because there's still a lot of very conservative yeah. uh, uh, members of the Catholic Church who run the Vatican. Yeah. That they arranged that meeting, but he is. I think the guy hitchhikes now. Just to prove it, they say, oh, he, he drives his own car. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you can you can pick him up hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> He's very. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I saw a special on him, and I, I thought it was really uh, amazing. Like he was when he was a cardinal, even, and it was in. I think he was in. Uh, Before he got traded to the Mets. Doggone it! You yeah. beat me. Yeah. He, was <laughs> in, he was in uh, wherever he was. I think Venezuela or whatever, wherever his district was, whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, you know, he would like take over for priests that were going on vacation, and he like would take their shifts. Like, I mean, where yeah. he didn't even have. I mean, the guy was just really walk the walk. He'd I mean, sit just, in like a jazz musician. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. He yeah. sit in for. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I've been sitting in for the Monsignor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were raised in Boston, yeah. Irish. Uh, yeah. Brothers, sisters. I have three. Uh, I mean, three of us all together. I'm the oldest, and two daughters. Uh, two sisters. Two sisters. Two yeah. daughters. I got three daughters. Yeah, and, uh, call him Doctor yeah. Freud. Yeah, I, I got all girls. I'm the oldest brother, and I got three. Sisters. My sister. My uh, yeah. My yeah. More Chinatown. Yeah. You know, my dad's not alive anymore, and my my wife's dad is not alive. And then we at one point, you know, Christmas time, my mom would come out. My two sisters, her mom. Uh, me, you know, and, and that was it. It was all women, and I was just like, I put a urinal in my bathroom just to have some kind of masculinity. You know, just. Did you? Uh, so, uh, how many? How many daughters? I got uh, three girls. You got three girls. Yeah. Three girls. I'm in hell. And and the oldest is. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. I have a yeah. twenty. I have a twenty five year old daughter. I just yeah. have one daughter. And the youngest is. Uh, almost fourteen. Almost fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're home, when you're not on the road, yeah. your whole life is. Going to dance moms and and uh, American Girl doll stores and dance recitals. You know, you haven't lived until you OD'd on sequins. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I saw a little bit. You talk about this American doll thing. Like I said, my daughter's twenty five. So yeah. I'm I'm. But we have a granddaughter. Oh, please. Who is uh, six? Yeah. Who's going to be entering into the, this phase in or not? So tell me about this American doll thing. Uh, it's uh, it's a racket, you know the, the, the American Girl doll, right? Surely you know, no, it's like one hundred and fifty dollars a doll now. I had to finance the last one I bought. You know, they got they have an American Girl doll hospital. Okay. There's something wrong with the doll you bring in there. It's like a copay and an okay, HMO. So you know, seriously, up upscale from Barbie. Though. Yeah, oh, oh, they have an American Girl doll haircut place. True, I'm not making this up, right? Haircut. 
for guess how much for a doll's haircut by a doll like thirty five dollars. I took it to Supercut, saved ten bucks. <laughs> Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how much it costs to put one of these dolls through college? I got one in rehab. Another one's not talking to us. Wants to move in with a boyfriend. I told my wife it's cheaper to have another fucking kid. Yeah, and they need a new car, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I had a nephew uh, who's now a, a grown man, but there was a thing going on when he was young where you could take your doll to the hospital, like if he had a bear with a torn off leg. Yeah, yeah. And I, but, and I thought that was weird. But this, this is unbelievable. doll thing. Unbelievable. They have tea parties. You bring the dolls in. You go and they it's sell like you Chuck little shit, sandwiches for like $4,000 a plate. I, I'm telling you, it is... <laughs> It's such a racket. Have you woke up at night and a bed and a doll sit on the edge of your bed? Going, no. I need a new dress. No. Yeah, no, no Chucky stuff. Huh? No Chucky stuff. The yeah. scariest one of that ilk was the uh, one uh, from the the Twilight Zone, the doll. Remember oh, that one? Oh my God! Remember who the lead actor was? I don't know, but that was terrifying. I'll tell you who the lead actor was. It was the the guy, the bad guy. Yeah. It was Telly Savalas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. My name is Chatty Cathy, and I'm going to kill you. Oh God. You know what it was? The reason you don't remember Telly Savalas because he wasn't totally shaved bald yet. Okay, are you talking about the same one? I'm talking about the Twilight Zone one. Yes. The doll. It was, yeah. And then it came in a little yeah. box-like, and it came from, like, India or something, and it was like this... Oh, I was thinking oh. of the, the ventriloquist dummy that... Uh, no. No, that, that, that was a different episode. Of, I used to think when I, when I was a young guy that I was a genius because I came to all my secular humanist tendencies. Because I came from a working-class, drinking family. Yeah, sure. You know, so no, no intellectual thing, no philosophical thing. And I had all these great ideas and beliefs, and I thought, I just came to these on my own. And when I was in my 20s, I ran a Twilight Zone marathon. I go, everything I believe in life yeah. came from this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything. My, my thoughts on capital punishment yeah. and how long someone should be incarcerated yeah. and women's rights and everything. And Vietnam, because there was the uh, anti-Vietnam episode yeah. prior with uh, Jack Klugman uh, where his son had went off to Vietnam. See, I'm, I'm old enough that I had to deal with that, uh, with the draft. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I... The way I got out of the, the draft, I mean, it was I just sure. turned 19. I dropped out of college, and they had dra- draft lottery where the uh, yeah. uh, they put all 366 birth dates in a big fishbowl. They pull them out. My birthday came up 30, which meant I was going to be among the first to go. And I had a dermatologist who was really cool, and he wrote this note to the draft board saying, well, because uh, I had really bad acne. I got out for acne. Wow. <laughs> so, he got out for acne. It was the first time I was... Happy to have zits, you know. You may be the only person ever in the history of yeah. the world. Acne. You could go back yeah. to the the Roman army. Yeah. Well, the the you doctor know? made. I have a really bad rash. Yeah. I can't go. Yeah. No, this is really, you know, it's itchy. Yeah. The Huns are invading. Yeah. I, I can't go. Yeah, I can't go. I, I am I, scaly. I have a really bad zit on my nose. You know? no, the doctor made it sound like I was a freak. You know, that would be contagious and everything. Else. You know, that would be so. a funny sketch. A character throughout time who's able to get out. If I you go all the way back, the guy talking to Julius Caesar. I got some. A fungus I in got a boil. <laughs> I got a Lance's boil. I can't be fighting. He's talking to Charlemagne going, you know what it is? My knee is gimpy, Charlemagne. Yeah. I cannot. The Holy Roman Empire, great idea, but yeah, I yeah. got Sorry, But I, I twisted my head. I got the gout. <laughs> You're talking to Otto von Bismarck. The water makes me crazy. I can't get on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. most weird excuses for getting out of fight yeah. in the history because I, you know what, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna research. I have it. a sty. Yeah, because I am, I am a, a research and social media freak, and I'm gonna find out if anyone besides you was ever able to avoid military uh, uh, conflict for minor ailments to zits. Yeah. Uh, it, did, 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 did they have white on the top of them, or were they just kind of red? Well, or? I had them on my back and chest, so they thought, well, the, well, that's and, from masturbating. 
yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I didn't when I went to the draft board uh, yeah. because you're. I mean, if I had actually gone to the physical, then I'd have to be standing in a room with about a hundred other naked men, and uh, and you know, it just everything about it looked humiliating, and I didn't have time to yeah. register as a conscientious objector. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay, it's either this or. Or I go to Canada. Yeah. Uh, My uh, body is riddled with lice. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make it. But, but I, I, was, got a, I, was, I got a tooth here. It's killing me. Because I was taking a chance, too, with this dermatologist. I didn't know where his political views were. And he might have just said, ah, the army will be good for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was, yeah. no, I'm totally opposed to the war. I said, phew. <laughs> so uh, whatever you need, I'll write it. And, yeah, he's got bad skin. And the, uh, the, he can't fight anybody named the, Charlie. Uh, the actual three-word three, three word phrase was cystic acne conglobata. Which, Jesus. Uh, Scares the shit out of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah probably, I'm, con- I'm concerned about sitting next to you as we speak. Probably Google it and, uh, you know, they'll have a picture of me, you know, so... So Jackie, are you? So I was I was the last group of people that had to register for the draft yeah. in '73. But then they were in, they were. In, it was a weird time. I graduated high school in '73. I turned 18 in 1973. And I tell people, I go, people who graduated a year before me died in Vietnam. People who graduated a year after me had never heard of Vietnam. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. are you? <coughs> I'm uh, a little younger than that. Yeah. yeah, I graduated in 79. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, my, it's my, my youngest brother graduated in 79, and then he joined the Marines. I yeah. remember he was a kid. He goes, he goes, I want to see the world. He goes, I want, I want to travel. We live in this little town in Missouri. I go, come out and visit me in L.A., but he joined the Marines instead. Yeah. So, And no. he traveled to Japan. But it wasn't an issue for uh, when you graduated. You were able to no. go... Didn't even what think of it. What do I want to do? Did you yeah. start out doing stand up, or uh, I mean, no. wanting to do stand up, or an actor? Yeah, I wanted to be. I always wanted to be a comedian. My dad was a very funny guy. People always ask me to this day who was the funniest guy I knew, and my dad was by far to this day. I mean, you know, we're talking about Richard Jenny, guys that would make me sure. laugh, and uh, Don Gavin, all these guys, Kenny Rogers, Glennie Clark. My dad made me laugh more than. I mean, just he was just not. He had great. My delivery and timing is from my dad. I have the yeah. same like kind of a pattern of speech pattern, but uh, he would like have like taglines. Even knowing it, like he would just say, "Yeah, that's great. Now do that." Now, you know, and I just went, "Dad, please stop!" I'd be rolling on the ground. I mean, he was that <laughs> that funny, and I never wanted to be a comedian, but I could. He could always tell jokes. We used to tell each other street jokes, and then I ended up. Yeah, you know, I used to ma- memorize Cheech and Chong albums and George Carlin and Richard Pryor, and you know, like sure. most of us kind of, you know. And, and I always fancied myself trying to do that. But how do you become a comedian? When I started, and I'm sure like you did, there's no such thing as a comedy school, and all. you had to go up on stage, and yeah, which is very daunting. I mean, you know, so I went, my first time on stage ever, <clears throat> I was at the University of Miami. I went to school in Florida, the University of Miami, and at the Ratskeller, it was a college pub, mm-hmm. and they had a talent night. They had, it wasn't a comedy show, but it was by, 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 by yeah, sponsored by like an open mic it was, yeah, but it was sponsored by believe it or not uh, Catch a Rising Star and Miller Lite I still have the t-shirt somewhere <laughs> alright and uh and my buddy said, hey, you're funny. Why don't you go up there and do a routine? Because they had someone playing a piano. They had another guy playing a violin. Someone did a, a puppet show. So I went up and I did stand-up. And a gig I wouldn't relish today as a, as a professional. You know, drunken 300 college kids, you know, and yeah. trying to do stand-up. And I did some Rodney Dangerfield impression, whatever I was doing. You know, to get a couple of jokes I had written. And then I just put off to the side for a while. I started thinking about it. I, wanted, I didn't want to go off half-cocked again like that night. So I started writing some stuff. And then years later, I went up uh, at an open mic in Boston. In uh, Comedy Hell, it was called. It's got George McDonald, a good friend of mine, is uh, used to host it, and uh, they put me on, and they, you know, bring you back, and then little by little.
hospital, and then you get, end up getting. Uh, nice. And I remember my dad was not very supportive of it because when I told my dad was I was a comedian, now he thought it was like now now I'm a drummer, now I'm a, you know like I, you, know, <laughs> you know like he okay great Jack you're a comedian you know were I mean, you he a never, drummer? Yeah, no, I had a, I had a set of drums, but yeah. I'm saying you know how when you're a kid you're, you're trying to find your way, and he was yeah. just thinking oh here we go again now you're a comedian how okay, but once he saw that I was committed to it, he kind of sanctioned it. You know what I mean? He gave me uh -huh. his blessing, but the first time I never forget I had a gig, my first paid gig. I was going to go from Boston to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, which is about an hour drive from my house. And I told my dad, I go, Dad, I was opening for, I think, I want to say I was opening for either uh, Jimmy Tingle or somebody like that. And I was doing like uh, yes, 10 minutes or 15, and they're going to pay me $40 to go to uh, Hampton Beach, which I was like over the moon. And I go, Dad, I go, they're paying me $40 to go to Hampton Beach to do comedy. He goes, $40? We're driving to Hampton Beach. He goes, I'll give you $50 to stay the fuck home. <laughs> you know? So, you know, that was his, uh, you know, support of me, you know. My, my dad was a funny guy. Uh, show his sense of humor. When I was a little kid, I was watching American Bandstand, and Simon and Garfunkel were on. He sticks his head in the door. He was always looking at my room to see what the hell I was doing because yeah. he knew that I was a, a version of him, and, yeah, and he knew yeah. there was going to be trouble. He goes, who the hell is that? He was looking at his I go, that's Simon and Garfunkel. He goes, Garfunkel? I changed my name to horse shit. And he <laughs> slammed the door and walked out. So, uh, yeah, a lot of us had, you know, uh, especially when you talk to guys, I was raised Catholic. Yeah, sure. You know, and uh, a lot of our dads, were they were funny guys. And, and we got to experience them because I don't know how it was for your family, but for my family, we didn't go anywhere. I was telling Shirley about this. Uh, we didn't go anywhere. We, didn't, we went to each other's houses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On Christmas, you went to Grandma's house. But on Easter, yeah, sure. you came to our house. Thanksgiving, yeah. went to Aunt Shirley's exactly. house. Yeah. But you didn't go on a holiday. Or you didn't go on a holiday. No. Yeah. And, and it, they were either... Uh, and, and we were backyard people. That yeah. meant that we were high class. Because yeah. front yard people, people that come out and put their shit in front, in front yard, yard yeah. and stare at people when they're driving down the street yeah. and stuff, we didn't do that. We were backyard people. Yeah. Hmm. But it'd be like we take the kitchen table out to the backyard. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah, you didn't have patio furniture. <laughs> no, God, no. I remember, I remember Memorial Day uh, uh, barbecues where they had uh, old wash tubs. Yeah. And they would just take the old wash tub and they'd throw a bunch of coal in there and they go, yeah, 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 we'll yeah. go barbecue, barbecue right here. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> singed hair and stuff. A couple of card tables. Yeah. Oh. Card tables. Yeah. On it. Thanksgiving, yeah, right? they got yeah. out the. That's yeah. where the kids sat, the card yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. And they got out the good card table for yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my good one. That's that's uh, <laughs> what's that, so that's for Micah. <laughs> Gosh, I that's a good China. Last time I did Thanksgiving was two thousand one. Yeah. You know, I, 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 yeah. I go every year I, up north. I, I don't miss it at all. You know, because they don't yeah. they don't do it in England. You know, so so. Uh, that's right. So how long have you lived? You've lived in London for quite a while. I've now. lived in London for two and a half years, but I've lived in England for twelve. Yeah, uh, is Rich Hall a pal of yours? I know he spends time over there. I I hadn't seen. I worked with Rich Hall last December, and it was the first time I'd seen him the entire time I've been working there. But it was what blew me away. He remembered me, you know. Yeah. And and so and we just had a lot to catch up on. So it was it was great seeing him. Uh, yeah, there's the the odd uh, American that that comes over there from the circuit. There was um, I worked quite a bit with the the. Tanya Lee Davis, the, uh, the the vertically challenged. Is that the how we say it now? Uh, anyway, yeah, but you I, mean midget? Yeah, dwarf. Okay, yeah. okay dwarf. <laughs> I, I, again, we don't. I can't make the distinguish. But anyway, yeah, she she was working. There's a, a chain of clubs in in UK called Jonglers that uh, yeah that uh, I, I worked a few dates with with Tanya Lee. I worked. Uh, with Paul Provenza when I was first there, oh, wow. He, he, wow. Was, he was working over there before before he did Aristocrats. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they'd make the odd pilgrimage out there just for uh, 
you know, uh, Harry Basil was going to stay at my house at one point, but uh, he, he said, well, your, your house isn't close enough to a tube station, and I've got all these props. So Harry has props? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think I so. I know. <laughs> I know we had we had Harry on last week. Harry's a, a good friend, and uh, you know I tell you one of the reasons uh, I, I love Harry Basil. I've known uh, I'd met Harry in the '80s, and I was I was an improv guy. Sure. And uh, uh, me too. And, and what they told me when I first got <coughs> okay to um, to uh, uh, call in with my avails at the improv, they go, "You now have the right to be turned down, but if you go across Sunset." Then you won't even have that right. Yeah. So there were guys yeah. that. Oh, this was unfortunate. I always thought it was like you know what you should just be able to work you know as a con- an independent yeah. contractor like that. I mean I thought yeah. I always yeah. thought that was kind of lousy. There, you know there, kind of. Yeah. There was a couple that had. Yeah. Had I mean you know it is what it is, but I, I always kind of I didn't like. That. I think what kind of busted it up was was Jamie with the Laugh Factory and the Laugh yeah. Factory becoming a, a, not Neutral. only a viable like, but it was a like vibrant Switzerland comedy yeah. institution. The guys going I'm going down here. I'm going over there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, some guys could work both places they got away with. It. I remember, like, John Caponero would go to the comedy store and the improv. You know what I mean? He would yeah. kind of straddle both. Yeah, well, it, dep- it depends what level you are. Like, John had exactly. when, he, when he had the sitcom at yeah. the time. Oh, at stuff. that point, they'll do, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Charles Fleischer and Jim Brogan were Charlie, the ones yeah. I remember from the, my first days at the store that were allowed to work the improv. But yeah. They were about the only two that yeah. I remember yeah. for sure. Yeah, if you were coming up and you did that, they, no, they would, would get but, very upset. But otherwise, yeah, if you were at the store and and Mitzi found out you work the improv. They, you know, she, well, I work the improv, Dan. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, like I said, Argus has been a friend of mine forever. Who you know, yeah. is, and he's always been a very diplomatic guy. Who is this? Argus Hamilton. Uh, uh, he's he is from, uh, the, he is the comedy store. You know? Oh, okay, Argus. He was okay, there yeah, from yeah, the mid seventies yeah, all okay. the way up through. I think I might have met him at the end there. Yeah, yeah and yeah, he, and yeah. he and I were, were very good friends. But he was a, a comedy store guy, and I was brought in through the improv. But we still um, uh, we were able to maintain the friendship. There was at one point where you were supposed to hang out with those guys. Yeah. So it was a very strange thing. But I think Jamie changed a lot of that. And it's one of the things that we love about having the Laugh Factory here in town. Yeah. You may have noticed that there's a number of uh, stand-up comedy venues in the greater Phoenix area. Yeah. You know more than Circle K's. Yeah. And why that is, there's uh, there's a lot of theories. Uh, uh, why that is, but it is. Yeah. And one of the reasons we're having the Laugh Factory because uh, and Paul Hop is the first guy I ever worked for professionally yeah in uh, march of 1986 yeah. he hired me to open for michael finney and then rich scheidner on the weekend so um we like him there because there were guys who were not making it making it in this market because of some of the things you were talking about earlier exactly you know it was numbers and numbers alone oh, please and with the laugh factory what we're able to say we say guys uh See you guys come into markets. See, uh, John Campanero was in <coughs> sure. was in a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know he came in and, and we talked. Uh, so and also the Laugh Factory is really helping develop young artists. I think Paul might cringe, Paul Hop, when I say this because he doesn't like to have attention drawn to himself in this way. But Laughs TV came in and uh, taped there a couple weeks ago, and there were no local acts on. And Paul went and talked to the producers and goes, "You need to put these three local acts on at least, get them on tape." And two of them are going to get on television. Oh, good! So not only is he helping develop young artists, but yeah. to bring it in, you know, guys that uh, that we love that weren't in this market because the other places are just big box giant places. And you know what? That's the, the thing too. Speaking to that, some guys give a shit, and it's nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really it's nice, and it's just not all about business. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you said. You know, sometimes you have to do certain things for business, but you can also try to help out some kids. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think it's the right thing to do. But that's what I like about Hop is if you you start talking about something else not comedy related, going this guy must be sick about talking about comedy, and he and he want to talk about comedy. Maybe he doesn't want to talk to me about anything else. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't like me. No, he's got a real I pa- passion for it. I think he hates my guts. I can tell. I just met him my first time this week, and uh, he's got a lot, you know, a lot of passion for it. Yep. 
He was uh, there's a uh, female comic who was a Phyllis uh, Rusty Warren was oh, a, a yes, blue. He was, a, a he was blue, talking about her last. Yeah, time. and he loves Rusty. And he goes, Tony, we we interview her every on show. She's 85, and he's still helping with her career. That's great. So uh, listen, so uh, people are listening to this now, and then it'll go up this afternoon, and uh, people will be able to listen to it from this afternoon forward. And like I say, a lot of people download this later on and listen to it. But uh, uh, if you're listening, it is uh, what's today's date? Today's date? the 16th. Today's 16th. I lose, I lose track Ugh. at this age. Mm-hmm. I just, I know on Wednesday we have the lentil soup. And today's That's Friday. all I know. <laughs> all right, so today it is, it's the potato. Uh, it's the 16th, so October 16th. Actually, if it's Friday, it should be chowder, wouldn't it be? Or, uh, I, I, it doesn't sit well with me. Okay. I, can't, I like it, but it doesn't like me. This is odd. Yeah, I, I just Boston thought of when you said 16th. Chowder. My dad died 26 years ago today. I just realized when you said oh, the 16th, I went, holy mackerel, the 16th. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about the date, and all of a sudden, oh, wow, 16th. Yeah. Well, you dedicate, my dad. you dedicate the show to I do. Pop. Yeah. That's it. Well, it's a it, wonderful yeah. thing. It's my late partner's birthday. Yeah. Really? So, wow. Yeah, it's, really? It's just, yeah. That's yeah. eerie, huh? Yeah, that is yeah. very weird. Yeah. I fell down and hurt my knee over the weekend. There you go. I just, so I just, it's I your knee I bring, anniversary. I want to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happened over the weekend? I went and visited my daughter, and we were in, uh, we were hiking in Tobago, and, and I, there was a hike I used to take her on when she was a little girl, and she'd be little, and I go, Come on, buddy, you can make it. She goes, It's too hard, no, Dad. It's the other way around. <laughs> so the other way around. We didn't make it to the top. It was down in Malibu off of Topanga Canyon. Sure. And I go, oh, I remember this hike. And it, about, about five minutes later, I went, oh, God, I remember this hike. Yeah. Yeah. And on the way back down, I fell down and tore up my knee. You know, oh. And it, 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 it's like you got all those hikers you hate, the ones who are in their hiking shit yeah. with their hiking faces. And Not, yeah. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. And you're going, eh. Let's get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> Let me bleed in the dirt yeah, like yeah, a grown yeah, man. Yeah, Nothing more than not being that hurt and having tr- people try to help you. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get indignant almost like, my how wife, dare you try to help me? My wife made a bandage for me because it's such a big rip that um, uh, she made it with uh, gauze and masking tape. Yeah. And last night when I took it off, she's going, you should shave your leg. Going, I, go, I don't need to now. I just ripped all the hair yeah. off. Of yeah. So, um, all right. I don't know how we got off on that. But uh, tonight, October 16th, two shows. Yeah, 8 and 10. 8 and 10. Tomorrow, Saturday, October yep. 17th, two shows. And then Sunday, Seven. one show. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Yeah. Have you ever worked that gig, though, where at the last minute they told you there was another gig? You go, oh, you're oh. doing one show, and then they come up and go, hey, you got to go out to the Holiday Inn out on yeah. Highway 58. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yep. The, the maids are having a going away party. Yeah. <laughs> no money, but you can no. have anything, food. Yeah. It's, yeah, good, it's, it's a great, great exposure. Yeah, it's good <laughs> exposure. That's <laughs> Rich Scheidner told me that one time when I said something. I said, it's good exposure. Rich, he goes, people die from exposure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the old joke about that? The guy goes to his landlady with his hand, empty hand. What's that? Here's exposure. You know, you know here, here's my, my rent. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys are at the Laugh Factory. Uh, you can find out about the Laugh Factory and their show by going to ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. That's ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. We're going to have all this information posted up for you. We'll have it posted on our Twitter. We'll have it posted on our Facebook. We'll have it posted on both of our Facebooks. We have ComedySchools.com and ComedySchoolsRadio.com. And uh, 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 those are our websites. And then, of course, uh, Tony Visick Facebook and all the because we're social media addicts because we don't want to pay for advertising so we've got um when you go on there you'll also be able to find out about rick Wright, rickwright.com that's without the w r-i-c-k-r-i-g-h-t.com is this your real name brian seff is my brian seff is your real name yeah so not uh, brian seltzer you see how your name is so close i know to so many people I know. You could be mistaken but, for it. I thought Rick Wright sounded rock and roll, too. So If you uh, get a woman drunk enough with your guitar and your jacket, you try to tell her you're Brian Setzer? 
I don't think no, he'd get laid a lot uh, being a stray cat. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have the hair. You know, yeah, so. he doesn't anymore either. Oh. All right, and Jackie, how can people find out about you? Uh, they can uh, go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Jay Flynn Comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay Flynn Comedy on Twitter and uh, the Jackie Flynn fan page, and uh, go to JackieFlynn.com. All right, so and we're going to post all that up for everybody. Uh, if you are interested in a, a pair of free tickets. Uh, hit me up on my Facebook page, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H. Send me a message, and uh, I might be able to do that for you. I don't know. Uh, are you guys co-headlining? Are you? Um, uh, he's, he's I'm headlining this week. Headlining? Okay, so then this is a, a tradition here at ComedySchoolsRadio.com. I hold here in my hand a book called The Little Man of Disneyland, which was published the year that I was born, 1955. Wow. It's a little golden I classic had, book. I had a lot of little golden books. And yes. what we have, what we have uh, one of the comics do every Friday is read one page from the little man of Disneyland. Okay, just This just proves that I was on drugs at one time yeah. that I think this is a good idea. Is that when Disneyland well, opened, by the way, in 55, right around it then? It did, yeah. it did, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Well, said Mickey, I'm afraid we can't do that. You see, we're going to start building here soon, going to move all these old trees. Move these trees, start, start building here, cried Patrick Begora, jumping up and down in a purple rage. Oh, no, you don't, not while I'm around. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's a great. Just, just one just guy. One? Yeah, oh. yeah they, we're very, we're very. We got traditions <laughs> here. I don't, I don't know how to read traditions, good. rituals, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to this American podcast, comedy editions on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. I'm Tony Visick. You've listened to the very funny, and uh, I'm going to say right now, uh, both really great guys. Rick Wright and Jackie Flynn. See them this weekend at the Laugh Factory. Go to our uh, go to our uh, social media. Go to my Facebook page. Find out about information. We'll be able to see these guys wherever they are throughout the country, throughout the world. We'll be back in just a few moments. That's life. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April. Shot down in May.